0: Now here's those boyhood friends Ron and Dave I mean Ron and Delbert I'm just kidding here's Rana and Donna <laughs> hey you guys welcome to episode 541 of the Ron and Don show we are live from the Les Schwab Studios and we're doing this on a Friday We've done this for the the past couple months where we do a Friday-only show. That is real estate only. That is just about real estate. What's that?
1: Oh, never mind. You said it right.
0: What were you saying?
1: I it's a real estate-only show on Fridays. Yeah,
0: what Ron said. Because when we do our other shows, you may know us as Ron and Don from Terrestrial Radio uh, because we're in Terrestrial Radio for 25 years and now in broadcasting for about 30 years. Our passion, our passion that we love sharing with you is not only as real estate agents as you know a lot of agents out there don't even own real estate so we own real estate we also know how to add value to that real estate manipulate that real estate and make that real estate worth a lot more so whether you're in the seattle tacoma area or somewhere around the country because maybe you heard us on the radio somewhere else we hope some of the things that we're going to share with you uh, will be helpful especially if you find yourself in the market of buying a home, selling a home, or investing in real estate and using a home as a piggy bank. What we want to talk about today is a home that we just sold in Tacoma. We're going to talk in real big numbers here. This is a home that we just went pending on, but there is a difference between when you are buying and selling a home of a house that's PI, mean pending inspection, there's a difference between that and pending Versus under contract versus, hey, we just sold and bought this home. So Ron is my managing broker. He's my boss around here. I'm going to ask him to explain these things. First, let's talk about it in a real estate transaction. When someone says, hey, we just went pending, don't start counting the cash yet. Or if I just went pending inspection. Because it doesn't mean that the house has been been bought or sold, but it does mean that the house has been tied up. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah,
1: and I do want to say um, both of these deals that we've talked about in this week's shows, the thing I was grateful for is both of these clients agreed to do a practice contract with me. Oh, right. Neither one of them had been through a real estate contract either ever or in many years or might have been in a different state. And so we both went through I didn't want the first time they ever looked at a contract in Washington to be when there's hundreds of 1000s of dollars on the line. And so that that is something I don't know of another realtor that does that besides me and you. But it's very valuable that you know, some of the lingo, uh, you know, some of the forms, you understand uh, what a contingency is, what an offer is how to think about uh, the days and times before, Uh, the pressure is on because that's when your your brain can go blank. uh, If you don't practice it. So we practice those. And so I think for for most folks, they don't have a working understanding of of how this process works. But Don's right, you go look at a house, um, you need to come to terms with that other side, both you want the same thing, they're selling something, you're buying something. And so from the buyer's perspective, you would like to acquire this thing for the least amount of money with the most protections you could possibly have, and if it's possible to tilt the table your way uh, on this deal, that's in your best interest. Exact opposite if you're the seller. If you're the seller, you want to get the most possible money that you can have, and you would like the fewest amount of protections for the buyer, the most protections for you. You want to tilt the table your way if it's possible. And so you're in this tug-of-war, both of you, someone wants a house, someone wants to sell a house. So you both have the same goal in mind, the tug of war happens on what are the terms going to be? What are how is this table going to tilt? And so for the past couple years before, um, you know, the last 12 months, basically, the table was completely slanted towards sellers. Mm -hmm. If your house was in decent shape, you were in the Pacific Northwest you this is when we saw all these newspaper articles and, and anecdotal stories of people escalating hundreds of thousands of dollars waving every contingency, because the market was tilted towards sellers. Now it's it's slightly less tilted towards sellers. And a little more even for ba- for buyers. But I it seems like if everything sets up correctly, or sets up in a specific way, it can still be tilted towards uh, a sellers. And that's what we saw in the listing that we had, it's a very unique location, had some one of a kind features that no other property really had uh, in the in the area. And it was the, the seller agreed to put some significant money uh, into getting it ready to market to get the deferred maintenance, uh, a lot of it taken care of. And so when you couple that together, with me and Don and how we like to do a listing we teed it up to the marketplace we presented it to the marketplace as this is a good one so if you want to if you want to see this you know you're going to have to come correct I guess is an easy way to say it
0: so pending inspection is we're going to go under contract with you we're going to tie the house up but we're it's going to be the listing is going to be P.I. In other words, we reserve the right to inspect it, even the buyers, if you're the, talking about the, the buyers, buyers, even if you've inspected it, we want to inspect it as well. Typically, if I'm throwing an inspection on something, it's in a slow market. Even if the other side inspected, I'm still going to inspect it one because I can. I want to tie that property up. And then for my buyer, I want a second bite of the apple. So I'm going to go in there no matter what. I can find an inspector to find something wrong. You just can. Even in a brand new construction, you could still find things wrong. So you send them a laundry list of the things you want fixed, or you say, I think the laundry list is worth this, and I want this much off the price of the house. So let's say that you're buying a house for $750,000. You might tie it up at 750 and say, "Yeah, I'm going to give you your asking price." But then you go and get it inspected, and you say, "Well, there's $25,000 worth of work here to do. Maybe what I'll do is I'll see if the other side will split the difference with me, and then we'll go from PI, which is pending inspection, and now we're pending. The reason we're still pending is because there's other parts of the contract, for instance." maybe there's a finance contingency, right? The finance contingency means this thing still isn't fully under it. So even though we got past the PI stage of pending inspection, we're still pending and trying to get past that part. Now that we're under contract, we're still pending, maybe financing. What are some of the other contingencies that maybe we have to get through before we can say, well, we're not pending inspection we're not pending, we're not just under contract, but we're heading toward the close. And we can finally really hang us for not just a sale sign, but a sold sign on this particular property.
1: Well, one of the biggest ones in this case that, that you brought up in financing is the way financing works. And so what I mean by that is um, there's a form called additional down. And, and And if you have a good real estate agent, they'll explain this to you. But here's the basic concept. A bank wants to make sure, or a lender, a mortgage person, they wanna make sure that the amount of money they're giving you at the interest rate they're giving you, that the thing you're buying is worth what you say it's worth. So this is a a throwback to the housing crash of 2008. People were saying stuff was worth a million dollars and they would take a loan out for a million dollars and the thing, the house is actually worth $750,000. And so they were doing these end arounds of trying to give cash back to somebody and buy the house. And so they were fudging and being, fudging's kind of a lightweight term, they were being fraudulent on the mortgage. They were saying the property's worth X when it was really worth Y. So now you have an independent appraiser goes out and they would say, no, this house isn't worth a million, it's worth $750. And so if the contract says a million, but the independent appraiser says not so fast, what happens? So the seller's thinking, I'm gonna get a million dollars. And the is like, I'm willing to pay a million dollars. The bank goes, I'm not willing to give you a million dollars. What are we gonna do? And so they can either lower the price, which no seller wants to do, or the buyer uh, in this case, if, if a good agent is working with them, will say, let's do an additional down. We will say, we're gonna define how much money how much extra cash we're going to put into our down payment. uh, If this thing falls below the appraiser, because once the bank makes that determination, that it's 750, they're not going to lend you a penny more than what they believe the house is worth. And so you have to anticipate that in specific neighborhoods. So this house you're talking about in Tacoma, we feel like it's at the very top of the range. Uh, for this neighborhood. But again, it has unique features that none of the other houses have. So when the an appraiser goes to get comparable properties, there aren't really any comparable properties. But he's going to have to get the closest. He's going to say, what is the closest thing to this property that I can find? And those things are not going to be at the number we had. So we have to build in a protection for our seller in the form of additional down from the buyer in anticipating that it's likely or probable that you could get a low appraisal so there's one sort of strategy that i hope i explained that well and was tracking with it but inside this 25 30 page contract there's going to be multiple points of performance that both sides need to perform on and so that's what is happening when it's pending i think people have the misnomer it's like if i had a briefcase with a million dollars in it I could walk up to a guy selling his house and buy it that day. No, you couldn't because you have the county and the state that you're in is involved in this. Even if you have a million dollars and I sign it and you sign it and I give you the million dollars, it's not technically mine yet. You have to find an escrow officer to pull the title, go to the county, get their name taken off this legal contract, put your name on it. Like it takes time to do that. Even if I had a million dollars in a briefcase and you wanted to hand me the keys, you're technically not the owner yet. Even if I moved in that night, I don't own it yet because it's not on the county record.
0: Yeah. So Ron talked about tilting the table. He talked about practicing your contract. There's not a lot of realtors I know that'll do that. Ron will do that with you. And if you have a realtor, ask them to do that. If you're buying, selling, say, can we do a practice contract? Because guys, once the bullet starts flying, it creates a lot of pressure. And Ron and I have to always remind ourselves, maybe we don't feel the pressure of the deal because we're used to doing that. I used to buy and sell a lot of cars. So if I bought a car for 30 grand, I'd feel the pressure of that. Because if I bought 10 cars, there'd be $100,000 on a truck. Well, I got to make money on six. I'm going to lose money on two. I'm going to break even on two. That's kind of the car game when you're a wholesaler. I didn't. I I can go out and buy a car today. I feel no pressure because I have bought hundreds, if not thousands, of cars. So I'm used to the pressure of that. If you're in the real estate world, you feel the pressure. Or if you're a tech person, you don't feel the pressure. I have a friend who's a banker, and she had to transfer two hundred fifty million dollars the other day. Uh, she feels no pressure with that because it's what she does all the time is Is a banker. And this is for a big builder out there that was building a building. So we talked about pending, pending inspection, being under contract, some of the contingencies. And then finally, we hear this, right? You'll hear from your banking institution that we're clear to close. So this house that we sold down in Tacoma, right? We're not clear to close yet. So I want Ron to talk about that. And this is also an offer that we took early. We'll tell you why we took that offer early here in a moment. But that's kind of the thing that everyone's waiting to hear, Ron, right? The escrow agency is waiting to hear that. The bank wants to say that. The title people, you and I, the buyers, the sellers everybody wants to hear. You don't want to hear pending inspection. And you at first, when you hear pending or I'm under contract, that's exciting for the buyer and seller. But everybody wants to get to the point where you can look online and say, that property is not only clear to close, but that property is closed, recorded, and sold.
1: Yeah, clear to close is a function of basically reconciling all the details so you have a closer at your esco company our closer's name is lauren and so lauren's going to go to the county and say have these taxes all been paid and the county's going to go nope okay well what's the balance on taxes four thousand three hundred dollars okay we'll write that down hey uh seattle city light is the electric bill all paid up yes perfect Goes, hey, gas companies, is the gas paid up? No, it's a hundred and twenty-one dollar balance. So they go through all all the utilities, all the taxes, all the lien holders. Hey, Wells Fargo, what's the mortgage on? What is the mortgage going to be on this date? Gets all of that money, and then they go, what are the fees? What's what's uh, escrow? Or what's the um, excise tax going to be? What's the B is there a B&O tax? Is there, um, a, a, is this a a, a a situation where there's probate? Is a is there a family attorney that's gonna be paid? Maybe there's payouts to there's a child support bill. So the guy selling the house is, is in arrears on his child support. So DSHS is going to raise their hand and say, Hey, how's about you pay uh, make a, a square on this this child support bill. So your closer is going to get all of those pieces of information together, they're going to reconcile it down to the penny. And then they're going to let the lender know, here's, here's how much money you're bringing to the table. Buyer, here's how much money you're bringing to the table. And then seller, here's how much you're going to get back uh, after we pay off and reconcile all of these different accounts. And then it's balanced on a, a Two-column sheet, buyer on one side, seller on the other side. And so when that all happens and you're clear to close, they disperse all of those monies on the same day. Take that contract, basically – send it to the county in which you live, and then they record it. And they say, I'm taking Don O'Neill's name off of this piece of real estate, and I'm putting Ron's name on this piece of real estate. I'm going to generate a new number. And so now that's in the county records as that piece of real property has now changed hands.
0: Yeah, if someone's listening right now, and they said, hey, I have a house I want to sell for a million bucks, but I want to know how much money I'm going to make. There'd be a lot of realtors that say, well, I can't tell you that. In reality, if they're willing to do the work, they can come up with some kind of estimation, right? But it takes some work to do that to determine what somebody's net proceeds from the transaction is going to be, right?
1: Yeah, Don and I try to, uh, let's not be weird about money. Let's talk about compensation. Let's talk about net proceeds. Uh, I, I can generate that for you and go through the process of getting you a range. Uh, obviously, you need to make some assumptions on what you think it's going to sell for, how much money you think it's going to cost to bring it to market. So but when you do that, you'll get a decent range uh, uh, of what you're going to get back in net proceeds. But we, we don't get weird talking about money um we do get weird in the last episode that don talked about what was it puberty and something else like i, I get weird talking about that stuff yeah but I, I don't get weird talking about money let's talk about it if you're curious about what your net proceeds are uh we can go through that with you on a Ronadon sit down
0: yeah all right because you got to make sure that you take all those fees out because if you still owe that electric bill they're going to take it out then if you have a lien or encumbrance uh a financial encumbrance against that property and you do owe child support Well, it has to come out then before you get the full and final check. So that's just the way it works. That's the only way that the property is going to close. Finally, finally, when you're in an up market and a really hot market, I as a real estate agent, I come the first day and I throw my checkbook down. I try to create so much pressure and I'm pretty good at it, that you're going to sell me that home before your offer review day. The offer review day is a strategy that you use sometimes when you're selling a home, and you say to all the agents out there, hey, we're selling this house six days from now, let's say. Send in your offers. We're going to sit down and see what the best offer is. We'll talk to our client. We'll select an offer, and we'll sell the house. If if we don't get any offers, then what we might do, if we don't – hang on." Sorry about you guys, and you'll hear that come on real quick because one of our clients was calling, so I had to uh, uh, talk to them real quick. So I'm back. So so anyway, anyway, what what's really important when it comes to selling that particular property, and we've talked a little bit about net proceeds, and we talked about uh, pending inspection, is creating pressure when I'm the buyer's agent throwing the checkbook down and sometimes money is not enough. I also have to present great terms to you, right? Well, it's a little different now that we're in a market. I was talking about the offer review date where when you're in a seller's market, the seller can sit back, get all those offers, and then let you know on the sixth day, which offer they're selecting. Now we're in a market where we don't know if there's going to be mar- uh, offer on the sixth day. So, I as a buyer's agent may go in now, offer a little less money, maybe not the greatest terms, and try to get you to sell me that house. Cause I may say, hey, we're in a market that's correcting here. You may be asking 900 grand for the house. I'm coming in and I'll offer you 850, but I'm offering it today. I'm not going to be there six days from now because we're looking to buy a house today and we'll take our 850 and go buy another house. So, hey, Mr. Real Estate Agent, I'll call him and say, can we work out this deal today? They'll say, let me talk to my client because legally they have to present it. They may come back and say, you know what? We're going to work with you and we'll sell early or... These terms aren't good or we think we could get more money or there's going to be better offers or we don't mind staying on 20 days, 30 days, 40 days, 50 days, 60 days. The longer you stay on, they say the more stink is on a piece of property and sometimes you end up delisting. So you can create a lot of pressure by coming and offering in the second or the third day. Finally, finally, we just did a deal or we took the offer early. We had an early offer. That was good money. It was more than what we were asking Tacoma, but we didn't like the terms. But then a second offer came in, and that second offer was $100,000 over what we were asking, and we coached the other real estate agent on the terms. Here's the terms we want. We also want to talk to your finance person, and we want to know that your finance person can close this deal. We want to know that your finance person has talked to the buyer we're going to vet that buyer along with the finance people and we want to know that this deal can close so typically other agents get really mad at us when we take a deal early we don't care because we're not working for those agents what we do though is we do let those agents know that there's a deal on the table and either we shop the deal And in this case, we may have shopped the deal, and I'm not going to tell you. We may shop that deal, or what we may do is say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and take this deal. We're not going to shop it, because if we shop it, and that other party knows that has offered us a lot more money, they may rescind the deal in the middle of a shopping, and now we're stuck with a property that we have to go back on the market with. All right. So If you want to talk more in detail about this, if you want to practice a contract, buying or selling, if you're thinking about selling a home and you'd like me to come out and see the home, I hear from people a lot of times, they go, well, my house is too crappy, or I'm not in the right area. I sell crappy houses all the time. And the cool thing is I take a crappy house and I make it an awesome house and we'll work together as a team. If you don't think you're in our area, we have sold homes out on the islands all the way up north into Everett toward Arlington, course on the east side, out to Wenatchee, down to Tacoma, Fedway, Auburn. Uh, We're all over the place, you guys, because you're all over the place. And if for some reason, It's not something that we can help you with. We can still help you. We will connect you with the right person, and whether it be a contractor, whether it be a painter, whether it be another real estate agent that could just do a better job than we can, we're going to be friends first, transaction second. All right? So head up, shoulders back. You're listening to The Ron and Don Show. We'll see you next week only on The Ron and Don Radio Network.
1: Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! Only. Only! Only. Only! Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.